Over the last couple of months, we have been spending some time kind of thinking about what is our theme for this first trimester, being engaged in this spiritual battle, that as Christians, we are soldiers. And we've spent a couple of lessons over the past several months kind of engaged in that discussion. And hopefully we've gotten ourselves to the point that it it is a reality for us. That as a Christian, I am engaged in war. I'm engaged in battle. My adversary and your adversary, the devil, it doesn't make a difference to me on necessarily what I may be thinking or what I may be, uh, how I may be inter- interacting in whatever capacity, he come, he's coming after me. He's after us in every way. And when we understand that reality, war is a scary thing. And when we think about the reality that we are daily engaged in it, although it may be a scary thing to face, Sometimes it may seem as if it is impossible to deal with. And when we think about our adversary and we can see how scary or frightening he may be or how difficult this battle may be, in the face of all of that, God still admonishes us to stand strong. Even in the face of all of that difficulty, even in the face of all of the trials and all of the problems and all of the persecution and all of the fighting that comes against us daily, God still says, you as a Christian are required to stand. And in a lot of ways, what has been our proof text in Ephesians chapter 6, and and next month we're going to spend some specific time kind of dissecting this passage a little bit further. But it kind of the setup to that, as Paul is really bringing this letter to a close, he's putting before us a military challenge. And, And although... In this passage, it talks about the armor that we are to put on. And we're going to spend some time, Lord willing, talking about that armor. This passage is a challenge to us. And it is a military challenge to us. And the challenge is, in the face of this battle, you as a Christian will stand strong. Now, he tells us how it is that we can do that by equipping ourselves with the armor that God is providing. But the admonishment is, you stand. So just in this passage that was read to us, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13, even the first couple of words in verse 14, it is the idea of being strong and standing. Why don't you look at it again? Ephesians chapter 6, beginning of verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, 
take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, he begins the idea of all of this armor with that admonishment, stand therefore, in verse 14. Now, hopefully I didn't need to capitalize all those stands and strongs. Hopefully I didn't need to highlight all of those stands and strongs for you to take note that this is a key. So when we think about it in that way, what's God saying? Number one, he's saying we cannot, as a Christian, as a follower of God, live in this world, deal with this world, fight this battle that we face. We cannot, and God is imploring us throughout Scripture not to come to this battle weak. Not to come to this battle timid. If we come to this battle and we face Satan and we do so weak or we do so timid, we will be destroyed by him. That's what he wants to do. He doesn't care if we come weak. He doesn't care if we tiptoe to the battlefield or are timid or in any way. He doesn't look at us and say, I'm going to take it easy today. He doesn't take it easy. He looks to destroy. And if we showcase weakness or we showcase timidity, he will prey upon that and destroy us because of it. And so God knows that. And so that's why we have passages like this in Ephesians chapter 6 where he is imploring us to stand strong. We can't be weak. We can't be timid. We must be strong in the power and with the power of God. I want you, you can hold your finger in Ephesians chapter 6. We'll come back to this idea. But there's a couple of interesting passages in other places that I think can help us with this idea. The idea that we're going to kind of explore a bit this morning is to kind of work our way through three different proof texts. The first is here in Ephesians chapter 6. And that's going to lead us to the second proof text that will lead us as we close to the final proof text. But in Isaiah chapter 35, still building upon this idea of being strong in the power of God. Isaiah chapter 35 and verse 4. Listen here to what's said. Isaiah 35 and verse 4. Say to those who are fearful hearted. John didn't use this passage last Sunday, but he certainly could have. You want to talk about to me an opposite? being wholehearted in our devotion to God. Here's a heart for you. Fearful hearted. Remember, God's not looking for fearful. He's not looking for weak or timid. And so we get this idea. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with recompense of God. He will come and save you. Kind of a similar idea in the pages of the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, really in a lot of ways, as Paul is bringing this letter to a close. 
They'll say very simply, watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. What a powerful conclusion that is. You watch. You stand fast. It's a word we've seen already. Be brave. Be strong. As we think about how that can be, it's this understanding that the strength that comes from God is what enables us to do that. Close to where we are in 1 Corinthians, just in the very next verse, or next book, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in a discussion that Paul is having with God in a lot of ways about a thorn in the flesh that he has. Some difficulty, some physical difficulty, it seems, that he's dealing with, that he'd rather not deal with, right? I mean, we've all been there. We've all been in a position where we are dealing with some trial, some difficulty in life that we would just rather not deal with. And so we talk to God about it and ask him, this difficult thing that I'm facing here in this life, if you can take that away, I would prefer that. It's not a wrong prayer, per se, but that's where Paul is. He has this thorn in the flesh, and he's talked to God about it numerous times. And he gets to the point in verse 9 where this answer is given. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, it says that he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, that's a part of the passage we spent a lot of time on. And rightly so. But look at the next line. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so Paul says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Doesn't that sound like the battle that we face? Doesn't that sound like war right here? All of these things he makes mention of, reproaches, needs, persecutions, distresses. He says, because of my faith in God, because of my decisions to follow you, this life, this battle is difficult. And I have to deal with distresses, and I have to deal with persecutions, and I have to deal with reproaches. But then he says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. He says, how do I deal with all of that? How do I deal with all of that difficulty, all that hard stuff? How do I stand strong? in the face of all of that hard thing that I have to deal with. Well, Christ says, it's my strength is made perfect in that way. And so he says, here, for Christ's sake, when I'm suffering those things, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So it is his understanding. In other passages, like Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, a passage that we're certainly familiar with when he's talking about contentment, that he's able to be content in whatever position he finds himself in. 
And he says, I can do all things through Christ. What? Listen. Who strengthens me. I can't stand here on my own, but I can because I have the power of Christ. And so that's exactly where we are here in Ephesians chapter 6. The idea of Ephesians chapter 6 is, is, listen, you are in war, and it is scary, and the devil is shooting stuff at you. But you can stand in the face of all of that because of God and the strength that he provides. Now, expanding that context is when then you get the armor of God. When he says you equip yourself with the whole armor of God, now you are ready to stand. So what does that mean? Well, it means that if I'm going to stand as a Christian in the face of persecution, I'm not going to run away. I'm not going to run away from that. In the difficult things of life, I will not give ground spiritually. What that looks like is as a Christian, I will not compromise. I will not compromise the truth even the slightest of bit. Because as soon as I compromise even the slightest of little bit, I'm giving ground to the enemy. I've given ground. Now, we may try to justify that by saying, well, I've given just a, li- just a little bit. I've given just a little. But as a Christian, I'm not going to give any ground. I'm not going to run away. I will not be defeated. That has to be the mindset as a Christian. That all of the things that I have to deal with because I serve God, I will not run away. I will not give ground. I will not be defeated. That is the strength that we have in God. The idea is my sole objective, keeping with the analogy, my only objective, is to hold this fortress that is my soul and my heart. And it will be wailed on. And it will be attacked. And it will be under constant assault. But my only objective is to hold this heart that is God's. I've given it to Him. And I will not let Satan take it away. And so Ephesians chapter 6 sets that scene for us. So proof text number 2, how do we do that? Well, similar language in another passage I think helps us to answer the question of how. If you go to the book of Joshua, in the very beginning of that book, uh, there's uh, some difficult things that the beginning of the book of Joshua has to deal with. And the main difficult thing is Moses, the leader of God's people, a phenomenal leader of God's people. Not perfect, not perfect, but a phenomenal leader of God's people. He's gone. He's passed away. 
And now God's people have the monumental task of entering into the promise, the land that God has prepared them for. And it is now Joshua that will step into that role. And all of the assaults that came on Moses are now going to come on Joshua. And all of the responsibilities and all of the pressures and all of the difficulties are now going to lay on his shoulders. And he has this to say. Just think if this sounds similar to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. In Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, this is God. Be strong, as he speaks to Joshua. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Does that sound familiar to Ephesians chapter 6? It does to me. Now here in Joshua chapter 1, you have God speaking directly to this one man, Joshua. In Ephesians chapter 6, you have God speaking to the church in Ephesus, and in essence all of us, to be strong and of good courage. How do you do that? Put on the whole armor of God. But here in Joshua chapter 1, for Joshua, two really specific things that apply even for us today. So how do we stand strong? In the face of opposition, in the face of difficulty, how do we stand strong? Well, two things that are made specifically for us here. And the first is you stay focused on God's word and on his promises. Look, listen to what's said in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 7. Be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. You think it's interesting here when he's told to follow the law? but to do so completely. He says, don't turn to the right. Don't don't turn to the left. You stay right where God says. This is what you need. Not over here. Not over there. This, this is what you need. You know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like from Ephesians chapter 6, put on the whole armor of God. Not just bits and pieces. Not just what feels good, you put the whole thing on. And so Joshua's told to observe the law. He's told not to turn from it, either to the right or to the left. Verse 8, he is told to not let it depart from his mouth and meditate upon it day and night. We see that in application with Jesus in the wilderness with Satan, don't we? 
when he's dealing directly with the adversary, directly with the adversary. He's equipped. He's equipped to deal with that because he had God's word at the ready. And so for us, the application is the same. For Joshua, you be strong and you be of good courage. And Joshua's like, how can I do that? You keep my word. You think about it. You meditate on it. You be equipped with it. We're in the same way. How do I stand strong? It's scary. There's hard stuff. How do I stand strong? The application is the same. You stay focused on God's word. God's word completely. You chew on it. You meditate on it. You equip yourself with it. And secondly, you remember his promise. God's promises must be remembered. That's a huge part of this passage here in Joshua chapter 1. You remember, you can do this because it's a promise that I've made, God said. How? When Joshua's like, how how do we do this? How do we do this? You you remember my promise. Look at this, verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Verse 6, be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 11, a little deeper from where we have read, he says, now Joshua speaking to the people, he says, pass through the camp and command the people saying, prepare provisions for yourselves for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Over and over and over, it is this focus. God has promised this. And God is true. And he keeps his word. Now, how does that have an impact for us? When I'm like, I've got to stand strong. How do I do that? Well, we focus on God's promises. What does he promise? Well, he's promised to protect us. He's promised to comfort us. He's promised to not allow anything to come upon us that I'm not equipped to handle. He's promised us that. Do we believe that? You see, here in the book of Joshua, he believed God and his promises. And so he marched to Jericho. How did he do that? He believed God. How do you stand strong all of those times? He believed God. How do we stand strong today? I believe that God will protect me. I believe that God will fight for me. I believe that God can comfort me. I believe that God can keep me safe. I believe that God will reward me. All of those things are promises that he has made. And they are promises that he will keep. And so number one, how do we do it? We've got to stay focused on God's word, and we've got to stay focused on his promises. Secondly, how do we stay focused, or how do we stand strong here from this passage? We must acknowledge that God will be with us. That's another thing that's talked about often. Look again, Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, God said... So I will be with you. Reiterates, 
I will not leave you nor forsake you. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the, I love this. For the Lord your God is with you. He reiterates, wherever you go. How? How do I stand strong? Joshua, how do I do this hard thing that's in front of us? God, I'm going to be with you. For us, how do I stand strong in the face of all of this difficulty? How do I be the parent that God wants me to be when my children and myself and my family is inundated with wickedness? God is going to be with me. How do I go to school and surround myself with the world? How do I go to work and surround myself with the world? How do I stand in that environment? God will be with me. How do I navigate my marriage and the other relationships that I have to navigate? God will be with me. It's always been his answer. Moses has been talked about multiple times here in Joshua chapter 1. But it's interesting here at the beginning of Joshua how similar it is to the very beginning of God's conversation with Moses. You remember in Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus chapter 4 when God comes to Moses in the burning bush and he tells him, I'm sending you, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. I'm sending you to Egypt to lead my people out of Egypt. And what does Moses say? I don't think I'm equipped to do that. It's hard. It's tough. I think that's above my pay grade. I just don't think I can do that. And how does God tell him that he can There's multiple things, but almost right in a row you get this. The very outset, chapter 3, he's like, they're not going to listen to who who am I that I'm going to do this, verse 11. And who's going to listen to me? I'm a nobody. And he says in verse 12, he said, "I, I, I will certainly be with you, God says. And this shall be a sign to you that I've sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God here on this mountain. In chapter 4, the very end of this conversation, when you remember Moses is like, I'm not a very good speaker. I'm not eloquent. I get my words mixed up. And, and, and oftentimes we, we, we often think about how God sends Aaron with them, that that really is the answer. And maybe that's a part of it. Aaron kind of goes with them. But that's not how God answers Moses here. Do you remember? It's, it's not really how God answers Moses when he says, I, I just, I can't do it. I, I don't have good speaking. I'm not very good at that. And so he says, verse 10, listen, for chapter 4, Exodus 4, 10. And Moses said to the Lord, Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow to speech and, and slow of tongue. And we, we sometimes think that this is the time that he inserts Aaron, right? Well, I'm going to send Aaron with you. No, that's not what he says. Verse 11, the Lord said to him, who, who has made man's mouth? Who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Verse 12, now therefore go, and I, I love this, will be with your mouth. God says, I'm I'm not just going to be there with you. Listen, I'll be with your mouth even. 
How's he going to do that? Moses, how's he going to do that hard thing? God's, I'm going to be with you. Joshua, how am I going to do this hard thing? I'm, I'm going to be with you. Us today, how, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this hard thing? God will be with us. Does it make a difference? It makes all the difference. One final passage and then we'll close. Jeremiah chapter 20 on this idea. A really powerful passage. A lot of times we spend time at the beginning of this, and rightly so, when you have Jeremiah and he's, he's struggling with a speaking for God or holding that back, and he's struggling with all of that. But what I have outlined in my Bible, if you are an outliner or a highlighter in your Bible, I would recommend you doing Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 11. Listen to now the realization that comes out of this understanding that God is with us. Listen to what's said. But the Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will be greatly ashamed, for they will not prosper their everlasting confusion will never be forgotten. Forgotten. Why will these things take place? Verse 11, the Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. So you have Ephesians chapter 6, stand strong. Joshua chapter 1, how do I do that? How do I do that? You stay focused on God's word and his promises You acknowledge that God will be with us. All of that putting us in a position to be courageous, to be brave. Final proof text, what does that look like? Think about the passage in Daniel chapter 3. One of the greatest examples of this kind of playing out. All of these things put together in Daniel chapter 3. You have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they are in a place where everyone is commanded. Here is the statue that is erected, and when all the music begins to play, you'll bow down and worship it. And if you don't, you're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. And all the music plays, and what do they do? Stand, right? Stand. They stand strong. And they're rounded up, and they're brought before the king. The king of the world. Not necessarily the king of Babylon. That's what we will call him. But he's the king of the world here. The most powerful man, not just in his area, but in the world. And they're standing before him. And he says, well, surely you misunderstood. So I'm going to give you another shot. We're going to play the music and we'll give you kind of a second chance and they tell them, you don't even need to waste your time with the musicians. You don't have to call them in. And they say this in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Courage. I don't know if there's a better passage almost anywhere in Scripture that solidifies courage and bravery more than this. How are they able to do that? Were they just superhuman in their courage? 
Were, were they just, they were born with more bravery than all the rest of us? No. Guess what they did? They stayed focused on what God had said. This is what God says. Don't worship anything else. Don't do that. They're focused on that. God says don't do that. They're focused on what he's able to do. He's able to deliver us. He's able to do that. They're focused on that. And they're focused on the fact that God is in control. And they're focused on the fact that God is with them. This level of faith. The level of faith that it takes to be able to take a stand like this. Even for us. If we have to stand in the very midst of the fire. Like Daniel chapter 3. God will stand right there with us. And it is a perfect picture of that. I'm not standing up here saying that because we are Christians and fighting on God's side that everything becomes easy. Actually, God tells us the opposite of that. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be trouble that has to be dealt with. There will be furnaces that we will be thrown into. But God will be standing right there next to us. How do I stand strong? This level of faith. How do I get that level of faith? I focus on God and on his word and on his promises. And the fact that he has assured us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Now, when I come to the reality, when I acknowledge all of those things, you know what I'm able to do? Stand. And that's what this is all about. Powerful picture given to us in Ephesians chapter 6. What a great opportunity we've had over the last couple of months to kind of study this idea. And I'm looking forward to the opportunities that we have to dig into it a little bit deeper because it is so practical and so applicable to what we have to deal with. Today as soldiers. I thank you listening so well this morning. Marcus is going to lead us in a song of invitation. It gives us an opportunity, a small opportunity that each and every one of us needs to take advantage of. To be thinking about our relationship with God. And it may be this morning that your relationship with God it isn't there because of your sin. And maybe it's your sin that needs to be washed away in the waters of baptism. Let's get that done today. So that you can have a relationship with God. Or maybe it is your sin that has separated you from God. Let's acknowledge that. Let's ask God for his forgiveness. Maybe this morning we can help you with something. If that's the case, you let us know as we stand and sing.